And we're back to In the Moment. I am Deborah Hanlon, and I have a dear friend and guest with me, Chris Giacchi. She's a school nurse at Presidential Park in Middletown. And today we're talking about mindfulness in our schools and education on the social emotional level in the schools instead of just focusing on the academic because we have talked about how much of our self self-worth is created in these school buildings. I mean, every time I walk into a school, I think, oh my gosh, the overhead lights, right? I'm I'm so anti-fluorescent lighting. And you have to, you have to have it in those buildings, I understand. But fluorescent lighting, the the way the schools are are decorated with these concrete walls, they they have a very institutionalized feel to them. And and you know, to be mindful, I, I walk into certain schools and go, wow, I'm outstanding. Like, this is outstanding. It feels so warm. And then there's other schools where you're like, wow, it's very institutional. So I'm always interested and intrigued about the feelings that the school environment gives. And I don't even mean emotional feelings. I mean that feeling when you walk in. You know how you go into a place and, like, you could feel if it's warm and fuzzy or if you could feel like, ooh, someone just had an argument here or you know, that. Yeah, I recently went back to, to my high school not too long ago. My brother attends the same one, so I went back, you know, for his graduation. And when I attended, it was a big open campus. You could leave and kind of come mm. and go as you want. And now there's like these 10-foot, you know, like steel bars around yes. everything. Like in some places, there's like barbed wire around. Yes. I'm like, this looks like a prison almost. Yes. It's yeah. crazy. I, I just switched my children over to a new school district. They were in Newburgh Free Academy, Newburgh School Districts, which is wonderful. They've you've People hear terrible things, but it's a tremendous and wonderful district. But yeah, the, the fact that my children will not be wanded in sixth grade to get into the building really appealed to me, you know, yeah. because that feeling of coming in of, oh my gosh, what's what are they afraid of? And I understand both sides of the argument and people will say, well, you should feel safer when they have those things. But my kids were going in feeling very unsafe into elementary school just because, you know, there's security there. And that just puts in our little minds that this may not be a safe place. So it's just being mindful and aware of the feeling of our environments because they're, we're cooked in it. We're cooking in this conditioning. And this is what our little kids are, are being exposed to. Um, Corey, you mentioned on the break how um, – well, go ahead. Talk about what you you were talking about. So how, like, I, was, I was sitting here thinking the other night, and I actually I was like, man, I need to ask Deb about this. <laughs> so I was laying down, and some, you know, your mind wanders as it often does, and sometimes it'll come across something that happened in your past. Maybe somebody, <laughs> you know, commented on the kind of pencil that I had when I was in fourth grade. They're like, that pencil is dumb. I don't like that. And I took it personally, and I couldn't think of a response. And I, oh, this, I don't know what to do. And now. You know, 20 years later, I'm laying in bed and be like, I should have told this guy that this is the greatest pencil ever and I, I'd show him. And it made me wonder, why am I dwelling on this? Mm-hmm. Like why such a, a, a long ago memory that is means nothing in my life now? I, don't, I haven't seen the person in 20 years. <laughs> I don't – God knows what happened to the pencil. Uh, <laughs> but why does my brain go back to negative things? Because mm-hmm. I have never laid in bed at night. My mind wanders and I go, man, that guy held the door for me that, you know – one time, four years ago, it was raining. What a nice thing for that that gentleman to do. Mm-hmm. That's never happened. So <laughs> right. why does my brain 
always kind of focus on the negative things when it's left to wander. Right. It's a few things with that. One, I, I bet that that particular memory came up because it had been triggered by something that is current. So the feeling that that, you know, oh, that pencil stupid gave you must have come up recently again, not in a different, you know, obviously in yeah, a different in a way, different but the manner. feeling came up. So it, it, you went into your feeling brain and it pulled that file out. Okay. And this is what, this is what I should have done. And it's probably also the current situation that triggered this memory is also mad that you didn't have a quick comeback Mm -hmm. and have that quick resolution. And I didn't get to say this and I didn't get to take my stand. And I was sort of like blindsided by someone's unkindness. I'm, I'm intuitively feeling that that is a large part of why that popped up recently in that particular uh, example. But also can we are humans at condition. There's something on Facebook that I read the other day that says something to the long lines of during the day, my brain says bleep, blop, blippity bloop. And at night I start pondering all the world's problems and how come they could be fixed? And why are we here on the planet? And how is this ball of earth, you know, orbiting like your brain just goes haywire as soon as we start to rest. Mm-hmm. That's why, because we are, we are so, especially nowadays, conditioned to keep going, 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 going. And that's self-medicating is the constant doing is a form of self-medicating because once we stop, all of a sudden, all those floods of old stuff comes to us, which is part of human life. That's what it's part of. That's why meditation was created because it's from the beginning of time this has been happening. And meditation is that time to go, let me see what my true nature is. Let me realize that I am more than just a person with a stupid pencil. I'm more than just the person who didn't get this job or I'm more than just a mom or I'm more than whatever, you know, all our eight trillion different identities. So that's that's why we're conditioned to. But I love your point of how come I don't sit there and think about all the good things people do. I believe part of that is when we when someone does something good for us, Yes, we're grateful, but there's also this part of us for the norm. There are sociopaths in the world, but they're very, 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 very few. For the norm, doing good is a natural thing. It really is natural. You just hold the hell the door or you just, you know, let me help that person out with that project or let me give this person a compliment. That's a natural event that we expect because we know it within ourselves we expect others to do it so when it's done we don't rethink about it later because we think well that's kind of the way the world should work however we really should be placing our focus at night when we are quiet it's it's something trained and something learned that you have to retrain your mind to think about okay guess what i have an option tonight i can either lay in bed and think of all the things that were awful and stress me out or I can lay in bed and mindfully recall all these good deeds that were done for me and to me and with me. And, all, you know, we could we have a choice. So I would assume everything comes back to energy. And how do we know what a decision is right when we feel good? So if you are in bed and thinking of all this negativity, you're not feeling good. Your choice is to, okay, condition yourself to feel good. Let me think of, you know something that I'm grateful for. And we've talked on the show before about gratitude is something that really can come easy. If you had toilet paper and toothpaste and a toothbrush this morning, your day started off right. Because (laughs) if you don't have those things, that's a rough day. And that's definitely a rough start. So it's so simple what we could be grateful for. 
True. Now, the other thing is, like, I notice that I'm super motivated at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else can attest to this, but I will have plans like, I'm going to get into shape and I'm going to run a 5K <laughs> marathon. And then after that, I'm going to get everything figured out in my life and I'm just going to do things different. And then I wake up in the morning and the alarm hits at 7 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. It's, <laughs> it's just, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> is, it, is it along the same lines? Will meditation help in that aspect? Because I am taking a breakout where you said these, your brain tends to think of these things at rest. Now, if I practice meditation, will that kind of help me rejuvenate you know, that same feeling? Absolutely. It'll not only rejuvenate it, but it will also file it in the right spot at the right time. Because again, we, you know, I'm going to diet and I'm going to do this and then I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my PhD. Like, you know, my brain goes into these directions yep. too. But it, it'll scale back and realize, actually, whatever's going on in the moment right now, I'm good. It doesn't matter about the diet and the exercise. I want to do that because it makes me feel better. And rather, that's what meditation will give you. Like, oh, I'm going to make these choices because it's going to make me feel better. When we program ourselves to be guided with what feels right, then you're always right. And that's that's listening to your intuitive self. Then everything is always right because it feels right. When we make a decision that doesn't feel right, it almost always goes wrong. I mean, think about it. You You could be in your car and you could say, oh, no, take a different road and you don't listen to it. And then, bang, you're right in traffic. I didn't. It didn't feel right, that decision, but you didn't listen to it. So meditation slows everything down so that you can actually access the truth of what feels right. That's yeah. the point. Well, and to attest to that, of going in with these kind of negative connotations, I've had situations where – I mean, it's like, oh, that's that's kind of just that's a bad situation you're going into. But if you go into it with the mindful or the mindset of just being like, I can have fun here or I can turn this into a good situation. Mm-hmm. I'm open to that idea mm-hmm. has gotten me through to where it's not a terrible idea. And I think it's it's a test to going in with that mindset, because if you go in going, I'm going to have a bad time. This is going to mm-hmm. end poorly. And guess what? Nine times out of ten, it's going to. It's not going to flip itself. You have to go in with that open mindset of saying, okay, I'm open to having a good time or I can at least enjoy myself. I don't know what's going to come. That's setting an intention, and which is so important too. Going back to even the school model is that for teachers to set an intention during your day. Yes, you know the administration may or may not support you on such and such. Yes, you know that this child might be a harder student to teach. Yes, you know what you're, you're coming up against. As a teacher, as a parent, as a student, teach your children this to intend their way through the day. Make the intention. You know what? No matter what that, no matter what comes my way today, I'm going to have a good day. Just such a basic mindset of flipping. I mean, we talked with Pam Grout how she starts her morning with this very "I'm going to look for the miracle today," mm-hmm. and it is a very mindful discipline to t- train yourself because you could either think about what's going to go wrong, what is currently wrong or what was wrong or you can say, you know what? I'm right here right now and my intention for the day is x y and z. Very very radical change in in your whole life. And when Corey was saying about in the fourth grade, you know, somebody says, "Well, you you know, that's a dumb pencil kind of a thing." And then how many years later you sit, is that, I believe this, is that we're conditioned to always question our worth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when somebody criticizes you, you automatically go to the place Mm -hmm. where you question your worth. I'm not good enough. This, what I have is not good enough, you know. Um, And one of the things I try and do when the kids come into me 
is try and help them relax. Mm -hmm. And this is my favorite, favorite thing, um, because I have them all over my house, is frogs. Mm -hmm. And I love frogs. And the reason I love frogs is because frogs only move forward. I never saw it now. Somewhere in the Amazon, is there a frog that jumps backwards? Maybe. I don't know. They will definitely write in to inform us this on this show or blog on social media. How dare you say all frogs move forward? I don't (laughs) care about that frog because I don't know them and I never saw them. Okay. I'm talking about the frogs that I see throughout my whole life. Is that frogs only move forward. Frogs jump forward. I never saw a frog Mm -hmm. jump back. So when the kids come in and they're anxious and I can feel their anxiety, Mm -hmm. I can, because I feel everything, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is a blessing and a curse, (laughs) but for what I do, I'm going to say it's a blessing, is try and calm them down and let them know, okay, you had a bad moment, you're feeling like this right now, but guess what? You can be the frog. Mm -hmm. You can go forward be the frog always go forward i love that mechanism and i love hearing the diversity in people's mechanisms Mm -hmm. you know like that just what gets them through what makes them know that it's all right and that you know to do good like pam Mm -hmm. grout was telling she starts the day off with a minute of miracles you're that's i love the frog thing absolutely love it so how important do you think it is deb to have people find that mechanism to be you know, not necessarily a better person, but to have that mindset, because it seems like that's the common theme. It's it is the one and only, and it, and it the most powerful transformational tool we have in on the planet is our own minds, and that is it. It's the way we perceive things. If you are going into school every day, or work every day, or wherever your world is every day, oh, I hate this. I hate this. So oh, this is horrible. I can't stand this. Then you're going to get more of that in your life because you are focusing on that negativity. Uh, you know, on this show, we've talked about in the past, like if you focus on a, you know, yellow Volkswagen, you're going to see lots of yellow Volkswagens all day long. So what we focus on is what we bring and into our awareness, which is also our reality. So it is key. It is absolutely key to be aware. And I talk about this live, eat, breathe, sleep this, teach this, classes nonstop, read only about this. I don't do anything else. I don't watch TV. I don't I literally don't have any other hobbies that do not pertain to this. And I'm constantly falling into the trap of negative thinking. So and I'm someone who is extremely schooled on it. So imagine those of you who are not even aware of what negative thinking is. You just think, oh, I've always thought everybody thinks like that. You know, I mean, this it's mindfulness and awareness of what you are and who you are is the key to your own transformation. Regardless, I don't care what your background is. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I, I'm doing well now. So it doesn't matter. Like people will say, well, I never had any opportunities. You don't have opportunities. You make opportunities. That's a mindset. <laughs> you know, don't, don't wait for opportunities. You make an opportunity. You know, it's our it, everything goes back down to the way we view things, how we view things, how we see things, and how we feel. How we feel, which again, going back to the schools, this is where it starts. We start to feel inadequate because, hey, you know, Chris and I were talking at the break. Neither one of us could do math. I was a straight A student, spoke three languages in high school. I mean, straight A. 
could do not math. do math. Still can't. Still can't. Then <laughs> years later, I got I had to be a fifth grade math teacher, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm talking about panic attacks. I was so panicked. I've since learned that everything we need to know in life is fifth grade math. But you know, it's that it's going back to our self worth is based. You know, if you're not the gym kid, and you're stuck now in a gym class, how misery! That's such torture. You know, yes, there. I believe in exercise and I believe in fitness and I believe in gym, but I certainly don't believe in getting everybody to play basketball when they don't know how to or they don't care to, yeah. you know, or tennis or whatever it is. So the exposure is good as long as it's exposure versus do this, pass, fail. <laughs> so how, I mean, what do you think for our listeners out there would be the best way to expose their children to this type of mindset and to try to get them as early as possible to to have this outlook, even if they if school's not their thing, if they mm-hmm. go, well, school's not for me. Why should I do this? I know the material. But just to be open to, well, you know what? I, I understand that this is boring to me, but I can have, you know, a good day and I can learn mm-hmm. something. Well, I mean, yeah. how do you think they should go about that? Two ways, modeling it, mm-hmm. literally modeling it and showing like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm very, you know, fairly open and honest with my children. I mean, I don't let them stress about the things I'm stressing about. But if I'm worried about, like, say, coming on the show, like my kids know there's times when I'm very nervous before I'm going to do something. And I let them know on purpose because I want them to see I'm nervous about starting something new. I'm apprehensive. I don't know the outcome of this, but I'm doing it anyway. You know, let them know. Model it by verbalizing it, showing them. You know, mommy doesn't want to go to work today. My goodness, this is not where my, you know, life should be, but mommy's going to fix this. Mommy's working forward. Show them that. Be very open because kids feel it anyway. Kids know exactly what's going on in your homes. They might not know the details, but they know when things are right and things are wrong. And that's not a bad thing. If things are wrong, it's not a bad thing. Because a lot of you are panicking as you hear that going, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I, my life is falling apart. And now my kids know it. I'm extra stressed. No, it's OK. They know it. Just be open and honest. So modeling it. And I'm huge on open and honest discussion and conversation. A lot of times kids will f- say, I don't know. I don't care. This is stupid, whatever. But they want that that dialogue. They want that connection, that honesty. Hey, what do you think about going to school? Hey, what are you, is there anything you're concerned about? Is there anything you're nervous about? Or, you know, check, check in with your kids at three, <laughs> you know, check in with them is you know, from day one, check in and really let them have that opportunity to speak. Cause the one thing I do, I am blessed and, you know, kids are kids and my kids are still on the younger side, but they're very open with me, and I, I hope and pray that that stays because if that stays, I feel all systems are clear. <laughs> all systems are going, no matter what they're going to come across. If we have that open communication and they know that they can come to me with whatever it is, I'm not going to flip out. I only flip out when they like pee on the toilet seats and <laughs> they don't put their <laughs> shoes away. That's what I flip out. But all this other big stuff, I won't flip out. I just want honesty. So modeling it, communication and the ability to have things be very, very, very honest in your home is, are, I think, our keys. Very what well would you said. say in schools, Chris, are the important things? It's such a broad, right? Right. I have to like try and like yeah. focus because it's such a broad because there's so many people affected about uh, by um, our educational system right now. And I think it's important to say that our teachers... Um, really do go into this with complete 
honesty, but the intention to teach. I, I mean, I really believe that, right? So you, they go, they're schooled to teach, they get in, they teach, and, um, and then they're in the real world of what teaching is like, right? Mm-hmm. And lesson plans and restrictions and a very rigid anymore um, curriculum of how they can teach it or what they have to be t- you know, what they have to teach, um, being observed and that's, there's checks and balances. So that's, but I, I think that the, the idea that I would like to impose upon people, and I call it that because I believe Mm -hmm. so strongly in it is radical empathy. Mm -hmm. And when I say radical empathy, I mean that we can all have compassion for each other. Right. We can all understand that some people have and some people don't. Um, but when I say radical empathy, I ask that you actually realize what it might be like for a little kid who comes to school filthy. That the reason they may be filthy is because they have no pajamas. Mm-hmm. And they slept in their clothes Mm -hmm. and they have no washer and dryer. Mm -hmm. This is when I get emotional, right? So, and their parents don't have money for the laundromat or they have no socks and they have no underwear and they have holes in their shoes Mm -hmm. or they come to school in December with a tank top and capris on. It's because... They don't have instead of instead of having that mindset of why isn't this parent doing this and can you believe that and why are this well, maybe right, they don't have it either right, and they right. don't understand. So when I say radical empathy, I'm asking all of us who listen to this and can understand it in a way mm-hmm. that we're trying to explain it right. is that you literally imagine yourself waking up in the morning and you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. You're a little tiny kid and there's no food in your refrigerator. So you go to school and that's where you get breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I understand that teachers have a job to do and they're being watched and scored and, and pinched into a certain form. But imagine yourself a little kid. I like that radical empathy because it's that it's a real radical empathy is a, 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 mindset in and of its own and and to start your day with that awareness all of us on the whole planet radical empathy for everyone i think that's a really good key place to start in the schools we could go on and on for this like we'll definitely have to keep going back i do want to start the school year off saying thank you to all teachers support staff administrators nurses all of you you're amazing people and i want to thank you for the services you do and remember to bring your mindfulness into your classrooms into your environments and really look at it and see how is this space feeling so that the the people that our future generation that we're raising actually have access to a, a, a good feeling. Uh, we could go on and on. We really could yeah. for days. <laughs> so thank you. Everyone have a wonderful start to the school year. Thank you, Mr. Shust, the principal at NFA, for inspiring this. Thank you, Chris, my guest here today, for coming in to, to speak on behalf of schools. And 
as always, as Joe Daly calls you, the program observer, <laughs> program Joey. Observer. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joey. Joey, your new name is Joey. That's all right. I was going to say two things at I've once. been called worse, so it's okay. We can. We yeah, can and you have a stupid Joey. pencil. <laughs> exactly. Actually, you have a very cool pencil. Thank you. <laughs> so, thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see you in two more weeks. This is In the Moment with Deborah Hanlon, and stay tuned.